The Stroh Show and DeGromination led the way to two Mets wins and a series split in San Diego, and we will gladly take it. We'll talk about Marcus Stroman's outing, Jacob DeGrom's continued brilliance, the first place Mets, and my bowling competitiveness. We also take a trip to the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy, and in Figgy's Fables, we learn about the legendary sister Karen. (laughs) So say a prayer and join us next up on Amazing But True from the New York Post. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. Ooh. Welcome back to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown here at Jake Brown Radio. Nelson Figueroa there at Figgy NY. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. But right now, stop what you're doing. Go on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating because we appreciate your support and your reviews all season as we bring you new episodes every Monday and Thursday. No guests today, but later in the show, we'll have an edition of Figgy's Fables and also a trip to the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy. Also, we want to get your input on Amazing But True. So if you'd like your voice to be heard, we have opened up officially the mailbox. Our voicemail line is open, and we will play, Figgy, everyone's best voicemails. I don't want to hear, you know, you had a sandwich. If you have chicken parm recommendations, fine. Those messages will be accepted. But we want your thoughts, your questions, your concerns to us, to me, to Figgy on the Mets uh, if you have a life problem, I'll, I'll be Dr. Brown for you. we get Dr. Figgy, and we'll have you covered. The number to call and leave your message. Tell us who you are and where you're from, too. Unless you want to be anonymous, but we'd like your name, first name, where you're from. 845-391-3660. That's 845-391-3660, and we'll tweet that as well. If you don't like your voice, you don't like the sound of your voice, give us an email. AmazingButTruePod at gmail.com will read your emails. But we prefer voicemails because we want to hear people other than my loud mouth and Figgy's mouth. But Figgy, any day of the week, you sign up for a series split with one of the best teams in baseball. You split a four-game series with half the team on the IL, half the lineup being minor leaguers, essentially continuing to contribute and fill the roles. I'm happy with what the Mets did this weekend. The first two losses, you know, they they couldn't score much, and the pitching was just fine. And then Sunday, just dazzling from Marcus Stroman. Saturday, just Jacob DeGrom doing Jacob DeGrom things, which we'll get to in a minute. But overall, the Mets are still in first place at 29-23, and and I'm perfectly fine with what we saw from this team, despite a few nonchalant things we'll get into this weekend from the Mets in San Diego. Uh, without a doubt, that's a you didn't sign up for it to be these guys, but while they're in Met uniforms, they're handling business, and you have to appreciate the effort. Even Thursday's game, man, you have to appreciate the effort of poor Williams going all the way back to the wall, leaping up everything you dream of as a kid. He's about to rob Tatis of a home run, had it in the glove, and then it just hits the top of the wall as he's falling down and couldn't keep it in the glove, it falls out, and it winds up becoming a two-run home run. It was Jose Canseco uh, without the knock on the head, essentially. It was exactly, the glove. exactly. But for the most part, you know, he, he made up for it afterwards, making several diving plays throughout the night. I really, really am enjoying watching this Met team and the way they play baseball, for the most part. And we talked about some lackadaisical stuff. 
you know, we'll get into that in a minute with the, you could put a circus over it at some point, but for the most part, you're seeing good defense all the way around. You're seeing guys who are getting an opportunity to play, making the most of that. You're seeing guys also, the, the pitching staff. Wow. I mean, just wow. Uh, up and down between the starters, the relievers, everyone has really went into San Diego for that heavyweight championship fight. And I know, although you want to watch whichever Paul it is, go, go against Mayweather, which it shouldn't even be a, a, a more than a 30-second fight. I know you want to watch that. I'd much rather watch the Mets. And their pitching staff was outstanding all weekend long. The bullpen, the bullpen has given up, what, two runs since the last game in, in Arizona? They've given up two runs. Pitching against one of the best lineups in all of baseball, a team that is very dangerous, one of the guys in the top three in home runs. They're holding their own, man, and, and they've been exciting to watch. I even like seeing... Coaches getting thrown out for standing up for their guys. The identity of this team, a team of lesser caliber or lesser even uh, uh, just the mindset, could have easily folded, could have easily said, man, we can't compete with these guys. Not not here, not now. And I think they've, they've risen to the challenge. And I continue to sing their praises. Now they go into Baltimore, they better take care of business because Baltimore is reeling as always and they're going to get a chance to face Harvey yet again on Wednesday. One of these two wild two-game series where they have a day off before, a day off after. The Yankees have a weird two-game series with Philly this weekend where they are off on Friday and then play Saturday and Sunday. I'm just so confused sometimes by these MLB schedules and these two-game series. I mean, Make it three. I mean, what's the point of two? It's just like a waste of a trip to me. It's like, why don't you just make it a doubleheader? If you're going to make it a two-game series, just play them both, knock them out in one day. But Figgy, yeah, I mean, they're fun to watch. And no way I'd rather watch Paul versus Mayweather. I only want to see Paul's ass get beat because he's the most annoying guy on the internet, maybe next to me. He might Second be most annoying Jake I know. Yeah, oh, I, knew, I was waiting for that. That was the line I was coming for. Yeah, the second most annoying Jake on the planet. Uh, is Jake Paul, I guess, with uh, me taking the crown, the king of Astoria and the king of annoying taking the title. Um, but, yeah, the Strowman thing we talk about, you can't do that. I mean, you can't just lob the ball up to yourself. And then on top of it, you have a throw that's seven feet away and you bounce it. Puts Alonzo in a bad spot, and then Alonzo just had a bad news bears moment. We all had it in Little League where we throw the ball backwards by accident. I've definitely yeah. done that at some point yeah. in my life, yeah. but uh, you just didn't expect it to see it in a Major League Baseball game, and it happened. But, I mean, Strowman's at fault there for being all lackadaisical. Just throw the ball to first. Get it to first on no bounces so you'd make Alonzo's life easier. It's funny because Alonzo will split his pants like SpongeBob SquarePants, but then a simple little scooper, a little pooper scooper, and he couldn't get to it. Yeah, one of the things with, with Strowman is he's always looking for style points. And I get it. There's flair in his game. That's great. But I just got out easily. I have it in my hand. One of the best hitters in the game. Control the ball. Make a strong throw. And then give style points off the end of it. No, he decides to style as he's making the play. And that never works out very well. It's just a bad look. You know, we're so used to him making a great play and then pointing to the gold on the back of his glove, you know, pointing as he's a gold glover. Now, when you see him do that, you really want to kind of just put your hands around his neck. Like, dude, you can't do that. It's an easy out. Take the easy out. Make the ordinary plays look ordinary and be ordinary. So disappointing to see that Pete, of course, trying harder than he should try to hold the ball as he faked the throw so that Tatis wouldn't go to third. The ball squirts out of his hand and goes down. 
behind home plate. He winds up going to third anyway, but minimizing the damage, right? And you saw how mad you saw how mad Stroman was when he blew a fastball, absolutely blew the doors off uh, Will Myers with a fastball, only 93 miles an hour. But it was like he let it go, let out the frustration. He knows he's better than that. And this has been several times where you kind of just question. I don't even know if it's a maturity thing. I just think it's a lackadaisical. You just that allowed it. Remember. It was only a 3-0 game. That made it 3-1. He actually put guys on and put the tying run. And imagine they would have tied the ball game up because all of a sudden, as he's controlling the game, he gives them a little bit of hope. He gives them a little crack in there of, oh, man, he's not locked in. His game isn't airtight. When his game's airtight, man, he can compete with anybody. And I said that about him back when he was with Toronto. He's small in stature, but the man has a big heart and he loves to pitch in big moments in a high pressure. I want to see him be able to handle that without imploding the way he has several times this year already. But I think hopefully he learns from each one of these things and continues to get better. HDMH, height doesn't measure heart. Yeah, and it always seems, Figgy, to come in the fifth or sixth inning when he's so confident in himself that he's just showing off at this point. He's like, look what I did all day. Whoops, this happened. It always seems to happen at that point. You know, with the, the altercation with Rojas happened around that time as well in the fifth, So, and then he imploded in the sixth. So it's always that fifth, sixth inning range where he either gets tired or he, he just loses confidence, loses focus, or gains too much confidence, and the focus... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. goes down and that's a, a recipe for disaster sometimes yeah we we talk about the highs and lows right you want to not be too high not be too low and kind of just ride it out through the middle you want to stay in cruise control as long as you can with him here's a very interesting stat five innings up to five innings he's got a two era a little bit less than a two era right at like one nine eight one nine nine sixth inning after he's got over a six era Sounds like so Steven Matz Jr. It's a tale. It's a tale of two, you know, Strowmans right there. And so what you're trying to do is you like to challenge him. He's a guy who wants to be challenged to kind of push the envelope and get into the seventh, eighth innings three times, maybe four times through the lineup. But if the numbers are so different, then you can't allow him to do that. With him being such a flamboyant and emotional player, it's hard to kind of be like, all right, dude, you're done. Those five innings were fantastic. You still continue to have a, under a two up until those five innings, two times through the lineup, maybe third time through the lineup. You start looking at it a little different as a manager, and you're wondering, hey, is he going to be that kind of guy that can understand this and swallow his pride because you're looking to get the, the best out of him, the max out of him as long as you can. And when the bullpen is pitching so well, you kind of have to do that. You kind of have to flip it. And they thought about doing it when Peraza decided to bunt, ill-advised, the eight-hole hitter bunts to bring up the pitcher, and that forces the manager's hand. That was a chance for Rojas to be like, you know what? I'm going to put in a regular hitter right here and, and go to the bullpen. And any Instead, day of the week, he he puts in a pinch hitter. I was actually absolutely. shocked by that, and it worked. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and it wound up and it wound up working. I think it was more of a surprise thing where he didn't even anticipate him bunting for some reason. I think Peraza and Stroman talked about it, and they, they were laughing. Their reaction was almost comical. It was like, lay down. A, I'm going to lay down a bunt. You drive me in. Sure enough, first pitch, Ron Darling, almost, almost being like Nostradamus, says he's going to, if he hits a double right here, everything changes and you erase that error. Sure enough, first pitch, turn and burn. He hits a double down the line and they wind up scoring that fourth run right there. Again, that's the kind of things that happen on a team that's playing winning baseball. They continue to do things like that, but they put themselves in those situations. The bullpen has been outstanding. I, I keep repeating myself with that. I can't see enough of Jacob deGrom or, or wrap my head around what I'm seeing. He's given up seven runs the whole season, four of them earned, and three of 
of the four were our solo home runs. So please, if you're a, a avid listener, watch Jacob deGrom's games as much as you can because you're watching a once-in-a-generation type talent. No one had this idea when they drafted him. No one had this idea even when he won Rookie of the Year. It was like great effort. He's going to continue to you know find ways to pitch and, and compete. He's not competing anymore. Like I, I'm watching hitters not have a clue what he's able to do to them. Case in point, bases were loaded in that game where he's facing uh, the, the young kid and he throws him two straight or three straight sliders and he somehow takes them, doesn't swing at them. Bases loaded, two outs, full count. He goes to a fourth straight slider at 93 miles an hour. It disappears. He swings and misses. He tries to hold up on a check swing, but swings and misses. There is no way 98% of the pitchers on this planet are throwing four straight sliders and with bases loaded, when, especially if they have a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. But this guy is so above and beyond that he is comfortable enough to say, I can go with one of my other pitches. I don't need to rear back and throw 102, not even 101 any, in that big of a situation. You're watching a master at work. Yeah, I mean, the stats, figure are just off the charts, like you said. I mean, you just dive deep into them, and they put them up against the likes of Gibson. In the same amount of time, Gibson was like 1.4 or something. DeGrom is at .62 in nine starts, and it's a small sample size. Yes, he did miss a few starts with the injury, but .62. And the only thing that's stopping him from going more innings, I mean, can Luis Rojas, I, I get it's precautionary, and I guess early in the year, but why is he out after seven innings and 85 pitches? Just let him go the whole way. You're talking about the bullpen and resting the bullpen and Castro going every day and Dia. I mean, I'd like to see him go eight in that spot. Let him get to 100 pitches. I know he's coming off an injury and you're trying to be safe, but do we have to baby the guy? Can we see him, Figgy, go eight or nine and give the bullpen an entire day off? Maybe he looked at it as, oh, we have an off day Monday and Thursday, so he's not worried. Let's get DeGrom out. He doesn't need to be feeling good about himself. He's the best pitcher in the face of the planet. He, you know, he doesn't need feel-good outings, so let him go eight or nine. That's my only complaint about it. And listen, Rojas has carried the fort. He's up for manager of the year right now. I know he. it's scary for me to say that. He's been great. Everything's good and grand. But I would love to see DeGrom go as deep into games as possible, like Bob Gibson did. Well, the one thing I will say that's different, especially now, we're looking at where you're at in the season. You're in June. Does it matter if he goes deeper right now in June? Does it matter? I, I would rather see when they get towards that stretch run where it's like there's no way to take the ball out of his hand. He's going complete game after complete game after complete game. You know, Johan Santana hit a, a a stretch like that when we were trying to make that run in 2008. He threw a complete game, uh, 128 pitches, and then came back three days later and threw another complete game, you know, to try and help us get into the playoffs. Of I'm course, hoping we lost that last game. That's the case, though, that Rojas will do that in August, September. I'm worried with the track record I've seen, he's going to be pulling them seven innings, you know, 85 pitches, two hits, 12 strikeouts. No, no not, not, not in those situations. Not when you're getting that deep into right. a playoff run. I, I also think that this is the other thing. As much as we say it, 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 it just continues to prove itself all around baseball. Corey Kluber threw that no-hitter, and now he's out for two months. Jacob deGrom goes 15 strikeouts, complete game that we watched, and soon after, he's pushing back his start a day, uh, pushing it back another couple days, not feeling right, a little tightness, and then he's got to go to go on the IL. I don't know exactly what it is. These guys are training 
themselves to pitch nine innings, but it is the wear and tear, the toll that it takes physically, mentally, everything that it takes to go all nine. It is such a rare uh, event right now that although you feel physically you can handle it, it's been proven. I'm watching it over and over and over again, all around baseball. Guys that do throw a complete game, you watch them within their next two, three starts, they're going on the IL. They're going on the IL and you're seeing it more and more. The Orioles just lost means their best pitcher to the IL, same kind of thing. It's like too much, too soon, too fast. And it's not because of a shortened season with COVID. It's not because these guys aren't, aren't training anymore to go deep in the games or only they're only throwing 100 pitches. It's such a rarity. It's so almost inconceivable for these guys to have complete games now where I, I go back to Roy Halladay. There was nothing, nothing more expected. Death, taxes, and a Roy Halladay complete game. If he's starting that night, <laughs> the bullpen, we all looked at each other like, unless he got hit with a line drive within the first five innings, I, I could not even wear spikes. I'm just going to watch the game as a bullpen guy. Yeah, and I guess you living it and me growing up even, you know, in the 2000s, seeing it much more. I mean, 2000 mm -hmm. wasn't that far away, but we would see it. You know, it would happen yeah. at least every okay, other yeah. day in baseball. Now you're lucky if it happens once a week. I mean, it's just so rare. And I guess the taxing on the body is a thing. But, you know, you, you would think all these starts mean later in the year they're going to be tired where he's not going to be able to go eight or nine innings. So you could look at it the other way as well. Like later in the year, maybe his arm is too taxed to go that deep in a game. I think they're, they're, they're monitoring it differently now. You're trying to focus that shift on because if you're not in the playoff hunt, you're actually thinking of shutting that guy down. Uh, why force him to throw these games? They don't matter. That That's the new baseball. The new baseball is trying to get the most productivity out of your asset. They, these players are now assets. They don't look at them as, as people. The way that they acquire assets and they want productivity out of them, this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to take their $20 million race car and not go pedal to the metal every time they drive it. They're going to take it for a Sunday drive, take it out, get it car washed, nice and buffed, and put it away. They don't want it to wear out too fast. And with all the money that they spend in them, you can understand it. Look at it on the other side. Pete Alonso came off the IL. First game in Arizona, he's swinging for the downs and found it on one of the swings. But three days later, they're like, okay, we're going to sit him and didn't give him a double switch, didn't let him go in. And he was upset with it. But they're trying to monitor these guys, even coming off of injuries or even their playing time, because it's no longer a starting player has to play 162 games. That's the way I came up in the game. That's the way David Wright came up in the game. If you were the starting player, you, or the starting third baseman, you better be ready to play 162. Through sickness, through sprains, through strains, through through bumps and bruises, through slumps, you were going to find a way to play 162. Now they want the max 120 out of you, 130. 30 games should fall back to a guy who is very capable of being a serviceable uh, guy. And the Mets have a, they've proven their depth. You have a guy like VR, you have a backup plan at first base. McCann was over there, but really Dom Smith would be the first baseman over there. You could put Dom Smith there and not worry about so much uh, about Pete Alonso, you know, missing a, a day or two. Yeah, I was going to so say it, 150, but you're right. I guess with a, one or two IL trips during the year, it goes down to 130. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the team that did it the most, and you can look at it, the Dodgers. The Dodgers did it almost like they were scheduling four-day weekends. It's like... All right, dude, you've played a little bit in a while. We're going to give you a 10-day IL. Kershaw has been 10-day IL with back this, wrist that, ankle this. Because you're monitoring him during the season. When your team is up by 20 games by May, why do you need Clayton Kershaw 
pitching nine inning games in May. So they started giving him some downtime. Hey, every fifth start, you're going to go on the IAL for, you know, miss a start or two and we'll bring you back and then you continue to pitch. So he would work and throw on the side and take a little vacation midseason. It's it's documented. You could see it. And the Dodgers did it with almost all their starters. And then they would bring them all back and they were fresher for the playoff run. It led to one World Series, but that's still one more than we've seen over the last 35 years. So it's a strategy now that's being taken advantage of by a lot of these teams. Um, like the Dodgers. And it's something that I think works. It's just a, it's different because now that you have this whole generation believing in it and understanding it as compared to David Wright going in there going, I'm playing every game. It could lead to, you know, uh, again, a high level of productivity and these guys being the best at what they do. It's very specialized now compared to baseball before where you, you know, you dealt with a guy had to learn how to do a lot of different things. He had to learn how to hit for average. Right now, guy swings the bat and he's able to drive in runs. He's swinging for power. He doesn't care about strikeouts anymore. They don't even bat an eyelash at strikeouts. It used to be a personal insult at players if they struck out uh, uh, against you. And now it's like, eh, so what? I, I, I almost hit a home run. Almost doesn't count. Yeah, 162 is a ra- – I mean, you'll, you may never see a player play 162 games ever again. That's a rare event. Complete games are a rare event. You know what's even a rare event, Figgy, is that McDonald's on Saturday night, I was out, ran out of fountain sodas. I have never <laughs> seen such a thing in my entire life. I, I said, I'll have a, a large fountain diet Coke, a large fry. You know, I was going out with friends, went to the silent disco, New York is alive, headphone party. Hi, you got to come to come with me to one of those great time, great music, uh, lots of dancing, grooving. New York's back and better than ever. We, we've come through this pandemic and we're here. New York, we here. The Knicks are, and that was their slogan. But the Mets are here right now. Uh, but Figgy found Diet Coke. I mean, that is a staple. I mean, you want to talk death taxes? This death taxes Fountain Diet Coke and McDonald's hitting different. Well, there was no di- Fountain sodas. Have Have you ever heard of such? That's like when KFC to me ran out of chips. I mean, there's some. Taste. It might be you, bro. Yeah, it's like these places come and they're like the fat boys here. We don't got that. Like you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna get it all. I was stunned in disbelief. I was, I was like, uh, uh, excuse me. She was like, yeah, yeah only, only it. bottles. I'm like, all right, I'll take a bottle. I mean, I love a bottle, but. I come here to get the dollar, and then it was like two fifty versus a dollar. It was like, mm-hmm. ugh, just insane. That was that threw my night off. You know what else happened Saturday night, Figgy? This always happens when you know you probably not sober, but it always happens the weirdest things. And I'm looking, I'm at the bar at Spin. We're playing ping pong, competitive ping pong. I'll talk about your competitive nature in a second. But uh, you know, me and my roommate, I was sweating, drenched into it. Like we had, it was like twenty to nineteen. He beat me like twenty one nineteen. I see my college professor on a date at this bar. I'm like, what in Lord's name is going on? And we didn't make eye contact, but I'm almost positive it was him. I think he taught us like Photoshop and, and different online programs. Maybe he wasn't on a date. Looked like he was. But I was like, why does this thing? First, they run out of found sodas. And then I see my college professor. I was like, I think the college professor first, then the soda. And I was like, this is going to be a weird night. Um, anyways, that's Jake's fables. Jolton Jake. <laughs> I gotta come up with a alliteration for my life. Brown's oh, book. God. That uh my one my my dad always Jake, you gotta write a book one day. You you live a crazy life, write a book. So that was that was wild. But you are a competitive guy too, Figgy, and you'll be golfing Monday and but you're also in a bowling league. Many people don't know oh, yeah. this about you. I just spilled the beans about your life. Sorry, but 
You're a competitive bowler. We've bowled before. Uh, what do, is this the missing the pitching side where you you want to compete in golf and you want to compete in bowling? Well, I mean, golf is more leisure um, and kind of do some local uh, sporting events, uh, some charity events, things like that. That's always fun. Get a chance to go out and play some golf. And what's your you handicap? Know, I, I play golf. That's my <laughs> handicap. I hate golf shots. I always tell people they're always like, "What's your handicap?" You know what? And I go, "You know those Tiger Wood moments." where he's in the trees and he wraps it around one of the trees, like 230 yards with a rescue club. Yeah, that's me. I will do something that'll make you go, wow. And then I will do something so simple that looks like it's simple and make it into a disaster. And you also say, wow. So I'm a wow type golfer. I feel like I'm good on the driving range, but if it were like, you got to get the three, like give me the big wood pause. (laughs) That's it. Um, All day. Give me the big wood all day. You know, top golf it. Boom. Top golf all day. But but if it's not the big wood, I don't want it. Yeah. Uh-huh. You got you to gotta have stroke management. You yes. can't just go out there and swing it as hard as you can. Oh, gosh. Uh, so one of the, one of the uh, other things, of course, with bowling, bowling has always been a love of mine. I've done it since I was a kid, and I was captain of the bowling team in high school. And Nerd. then I hadn't, I hadn't bowled competitively in a long, long time. So this year with the pandemic, a buddy of mine asked me to, to go bowling with him, and I decided to try a league for the first time in my life because I've always been playing baseball. I always couldn't do it. It's actually the frowned upon in our contracts. Bowling is one of the things that you can get your contract vo- voided for really? unless you get permission. Unless you get permission. So don't come at me, people, with the Mookie Betts does it. Well, Mookie Betts is a damn good bowler. He's got like 13 300s under his belt, and he got permission to bowl. Um, All right, so, so you bowl yes. once a week. What is it, Wednesday nights you do it? Wednesday nights, yep. You pay for this. I do not. My buddy is uh, has been very great and generous to me to since he asked me to do it he decided that he pays it not a huge fee he pays for the fee every week and then you get in these little like pots to see if you can throw so many strikes or who has the highest score at the end of the night and what i didn't know was the league i was joining has about seven members of either the new jersey or pennsylvania bowling hall of fame (laughs) what so i'm bowling against these animals and Here's the thing about bowling. You can't judge a book by its cover. Literally, you will see these guys, and some of them are in their 60s. If they have a glove, they're good. <laughs> you better have You better be good if you have a glove on. It, it's literally, you watch these guys, and they have done it so long and can read the lanes so well and make adjustments so quickly that it's impressive to watch. Like I've watched this, I've watched several different bowlers, and everybody has a little different technique, the way they do it, so nobody's the same. But I'm watching these guys, and it's just mind-boggling. So my high game this year was a 297. What? And, uh, yeah, and you so I went like down to the last. You at the charity event. How did you pull off a 297? I, the charity event was house balls with no oil on the lanes. These house are professional conditions. Hold on. What is a house ball? What, what is the difference? Oh, that's a world of difference. A house ball, first of all, is like 10 pounds. They don't have heavy, heavy balls with the – fingers that fit your actual finger size. So if you're going to put your fingers in the ball, you got to be able to, I just use the tips. I don't use my whole finger in it. So yeah, I got you. I knew you were going there, but (laughs) here's, here's the difference, right? So Mm -hmm. here I am with my 290. I'm bowling. I got all strikes going into the last ball. And let me tell you, I've been on the mound with 46,000 people screaming and I was more nervous about throwing my 12th straight strike than I was at any time in any situation on a baseball diamond because I've trained for that. You had 11 strikes and a spare for 297? What is no, that? just 11 strikes and a seven. 
So it, it wound up being 297. So I got a seven on the last one instead of a strike for a 300. So I got a 297. There were probably, I've seen with my own two eyes, I've seen about eight or nine 300s bold in this league. Um, That's more than and, 300 hitters in baseball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what? So it, 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 it is the competition. It's a lot of fun as well. And, you know, get a chance to just kind of uh, do something competitive where it's not very taxing on my body the, the way I would be if I was uh, playing softball and trying to take out a guy at second base. So I got to dial that down when I go back to playing softball too. I'm going to change your name to Free Figgy on my phone because, you know, if, the, <laughs> if it's free, it's for me. I mean, I don't blame you. Uh, interesting. So that's your bowling competitive. You got golf coming up. You know, we'll go back to the Mets now. This all started with the fountain soda that Diet Coke didn't have for me, and I'm still mad about it. Oh, man. I mean, just incredible. And can they put the large fry on a dollar menu? Like, I mean, they would never Seriously. do it. But it's about time. That would be an incredible moment. Speaking of large fries, Jonathan VR is going to be back in the lineup probably Tuesday. He's a, he's a large man. Um, but he will be back, which is going to be big for the Mets. Luis Guillorme has played in a couple of rehab games. We should see him against the Padres this weekend, where fans return to City Field for a seven-game homestand. And it'll be 33,000 of them. City Field will be around 80% capacity. New York is back. Queens is alive. <laughs> I'll be there Friday. It should be Jacob DeGrom on the Hill figure. We got to get there because now is when the loud, because this is what a normal Met crowd is. If it's full capacity, that's usually what the Mets get, 33,000 on a Saturday afternoon when they're an okay team. Right now you have a first-place team coming home against a you know a championship-caliber opponent in the Padres once again in front of 33,000 people. It's going to be a rocking week, and hopefully the weather holds up. Friday, there's a chance of rain, but Saturday and Sunday will be nice. And the Mets tweeted this, and they did a survey. Where are you? Because this has been a topic amongst the fan base. For Saturday start times, I'm a 4 p.m. kind of guy. Summer, 4 p.m., you could still have an after party, go out after. You could drink and go out before. But people are mixed. Some like the earlier, so they have the rest of the day. Some like the summer 7 p.m. games, which I do like when it's scorching hot. It cools down at night. Quickly, what is your preference? One, four, five, six, or seven p.m. On Jesus, yeah, oh, that's a preference. They sent that in the survey. They said five p.m. or six p.m. I'm like, come on, guys, calm down. Yeah, what's the difference there? <laughs> Let's take that one off. But I, I feel this way. I like Saturday night games and I like Sunday day games. So it's tougher on the players because of that. You know, back to back, you're playing within within 24 hours. You got the two games. But I think in this in this day and age, that's the reason that they do like that four p.m. time so it gives them an extra three hours so that it's it's not so late just in case they go extra innings but with the new rules there's not extra innings like we're used to seeing so that's why i think uh i'm i'm still a fan of a saturday night game and then a sunday day game and usually what it used to be was that was the day that the irregulars so not the regular players the regular players would sit and then the bench guys would get a chance to play on sundays if they were lucky, if the uh, guy didn't, you know, if the guy didn't get three hits the night before, well, he was going to try and get two hits on Sunday because he knew, you know, he was going to have a chance to play against maybe uh, the other team's B squad, basically. So Sunday, Sunday day games are still, I think, just. Oh, that's not even a question. No one wants Sunday night. I think everyone likes Sunday 1 p.m. But so you're yeah. a sat 7 p.m. Saturday guy. Yeah. So you like to party extra hours through the day, get your errands done, have time. Well, you got to it this way. Friday night. Friday night you have a game and then you go out after the game. You're not waking up. 
So you want to be recovering as long as possible, do another night game then. And then, you know, whatever happens after that, the Sunday day game is just a staple for me. I think that's something family, friends, you know, take the kids, take the uh, grandkids, that kind of thing where you uh, do it Sunday. And it used to, I got in trouble with, with church. Uh, Sister Karen came after me at Shea Stadium. Uh, well, before Shea Stadium, but I, I heard her at Shea Stadium one time yelling my name as I'm signing autographs. And she comes down and she looks at me and gives me a hug. And she's like, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. So when I was in religious instructions, you used to have to go on Wednesdays and show the pamphlet from church that was signed by the priest that you were there on Sunday. So I used to have to play baseball games Sunday mornings. And so I had to choose if I went to church or I went to play my baseball games. So when baseball season kicked into gear, I was playing baseball and I would miss. And Sister Karen would be like, how are you missing church? You're choosing baseball over God. And I remember going, oh, my God, this is a bit much for a kid. Well, this is Figgy's so, Fable right here, by the way. Welcome to Figgy's Fable with Sister jump Karen. Right in, jump right into it. Sister Karen at uh, Our Lady of Solace in, in Coney Island. I didn't know you were this religious. This is new to me. Are you, are you a super religious guy? No, I'm not a super religious guy. I'm more spiritual than I am religious. I was raised with the belief system, with discipline, with, I mean, you know, back in my day, sisters and nuns had rulers and, you know, they could discipline you. That kind of thing was instilled in me early on in my life. And I, I believed in it because it, I grew up in the projects of Coney Island and I saw a lot of things, you know, a lot of my friends went and made the wrong choices. And so I was raised, thank God, I was raised properly to know right from wrong. And I had a great support network. Now that I look back at it at the time, I'm like, my goodness, I can't do anything wrong because I'm always being watched. But it was for good reason. And I, I'm very thankful for it. So that was part of the whole setup was I had to choose between, you know, church or baseball. And I wanted to play baseball. I wanted to play baseball. And I, I told Sister Karen, God knows I'm being good all week so I can play baseball. And I, I think he wants me to play baseball. Sure enough, I, she comes down during while well, I'm at Shea Stadium, I'm signing autographs and I hear her voice and no exaggeration. I didn't even have to look up. As soon as I heard Nelson Figueroa, oh my God, Sister Karen. And I remember I was saying to her, you see, it all worked out in the end. I didn't really have to make a choice that, you know, I, I, God is always with me and I'm able to play baseball. So she's like, I'm so happy for you. And that was a, a very, it was something that early on in my childhood I had to deal with. And I was like questioning like, oh my God, is this real? Like, I'm, am I not going to be able to play baseball? And uh, thankfully, I, I felt like I made the right choice. Have we checked in with Sister Karen if she is part of the Sister Act 3 cast member? Is she one of the <laughs> members of the church? They're looking for, for some extras to potentially uh, be in the choir. Uh, I, I, Sister Karen, this is like Sister Jean. Sister Karen is the Coney Island Sister Jean, apparently. Mm -hmm. No, Sister Karen was great, man. She, she Shout was out very, Sister strict, Karen. very strict, very, uh, very loving, but strict at the same time. And, you know, I was very thankful for her. Well, Sister Karen, if you're listening, what's popping? How you doing? We recording on Sunday. We're praying to the Lord, but we <laughs> behind the microphone working on a Sunday night. You're listening to Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown, radio on Twitter, Figgy NY on Twitter. Again, the number to call into the Amazing But True hotline. We'll start it up on Thursday's show, 845-391-3660. That was Figgy's Fables. But we went to uh, <laughs> we went to church, but now we got to go to class because, you know, usually I don't know what you do first. Maybe you go to class first and then you go to church after. I don't know. I'm Jewish. I don't know. I went to the synagogue <laughs> and was with the choir. Oh, say Shalom Israel. 
uh, is what we were singing back in the streets in fifth grade in Bridgeport. I didn't realize you were from the projects either. And you've told me you've never smoked weed in your life, which is interesting. Nope. You know, from the projects, never touched weed. Uh, Sister Karen, just keeping you on a on a I, good path, I, I guess. I had I had too many family members who had too many vices that I realized earlier in my life I was going to avoid those. Not even give in to temptation that way. When there is no guests on this show, we talk about Fountain Diet Cokes, Sister Karen, <laughs> and a bunch of other random topics. You never know what you're going to get on Amazing But True. But you, we do know next that you will get the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy right here on Amazing But True. Bienvenidos, mis amigos. Welcome back. This is the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy, where Jake is trying to master the Spanish language, be able to uh, kick the Willy Bobo to all the girls out in Astoria. We, <laughs> the what? We tried the Willy Bobo. What the, what the hell's the Willy Bobo? You know, I thought you knew hip hop. You have to look it up. By the way, shout out to Peter Rosenberg. His album is great. He put together a rap album. You should listen uh -huh. to it. You're from New York. You, I think you would yep. like it. So. Check it out. No, I definitely will do that. I know Pete. Uh, Pete used to be married to Alexa Dat. Yes, that's what she said. Yes, exactly. That's what she said. There it is. First and a, thing and a fellow is, uh, baldy Jew. He, he is, sorry, he's my Jewish doppel radio doppelganger, by the way. So there you go. I, I could see it. All right, I back to the it. academy. Yeah, let's go. Uh, and we're going to have to double your dosage of, of uh, ADHD medicine. <laughs> <laughs> I see this today. The word of the day. I don't take medicine, by the way. He's wrong. I, I, I do not. I would admit if I did, I definitely have ADHD probably, but I don't take any medication except for Tylenol and vitamin C gummies, which are very good. Oh, whatever you say with the gummies. The word of today is looking forward to the series in Baltimore, of course, for food. What do you think of when you think of Baltimore? I actually had shrimp and crab on my bagel the other day. So I'm assuming crab. Crab. Baltimore crab and the crab cakes, you know, phenomenal. So we're going to go with crab. Crab in Spanish is cangrejo. Why do they make it so hard for such a short word? <laughs> I thought it would be like crabe or something. like. <laughs> cangrejo. 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 I like cangrejo. that. It's easy. I say it every time, but that is another bad bunny hit. Cangrejo. Like, that, that could be, you get Pitbull on that track, you get Jay Balvin, <laughs> you get Ozuna, you form a super group of the Spanish Academy. All right, Just Cangrejo. C-O-N-G-R-E-J-O, -E right? C-A-N-G-R-E-J-O. Cangrejo. Cangrejo. All right, that's pretty easy. Not bad. Yeah, good. So you're getting better at this. You're getting better. Yeah. Now, the first place Mets. So we're going to just go with first place. Primer lugar. Peter Lugers, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I warned Jake. I said, as soon as I say this word, you're going to hear a restaurant and you're going to figure out what the word is. Oh, Did he not just go right to the now restaurant? Now I'm thinking about steak and... Uh... <laughs> I still owe Jeff Nelson and Chris Sheeran a steak dinner. So I steak, steak and crab. See where you're at right now? Surf and turf. All right, say it again. Primer lugar. Primer lugar. Why, why did your face get like that? I, I think the lugar, yeah. it's like the Hebrew meaning. Baruch. I say lugar. I, that's you why do, I get the you, phlegm. You, like your mouth gets real tight when you go to say it. Just loosen up, relax. Just <clears throat> Primer lugar. Primer lugar. Dude, that's perfect. One more time. Primer lugar. We want prenup. We want prenup. Yeah. Premier oh. Lugar. Lugar. That's it. 
L-U-G-A-R. Yep. Correct. First wow. place, primer lugar. Wow, these are the two easiest words in the Academy's history so far. Hey, sometimes you got to take it easy on you. You know, we got to get you to feel good about yourself and then, you know, pull you out of the game early. So the see Mets are in there? first and you're trying. Yeah, I see what you did. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is, this is uh, amazing, but true after dark, apparently, today. You're all over I'm the trying, place. No, I'm trying to get the best productivity out of Jake in the at the Spanish Academy. I gave you the easy ones. I made you feel good about yourself and also think about, you know, steak and crab and Peter Luger's. <laughs> yeah, God, no. And now we can move on. No, I'm starving. I haven't had dinner yet. So I, let, we're going to end the show now because I'm going to have dinner. But Peter Lugar is the word. No, Primer Lugar. Good God. Listen, Primer Lugar and Crabejo. Is that it? No. <laughs> Cangrejo. Cangrejo. I like Crabejo better. <laughs> and that's it. That's it for the Academy this week. We'll see you next week. <laughs> that says Tata Turbo Man to episode 58, the Henry Mejia Yikes edition of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to you, Jake and Sarah McCrory, for producing the show. Please subscribe to Amazing But True and give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Gracias, mis amigos. For Nelson Figueroa, I'm Jake Brown. No lifetime suspensions here. We'll be back on Thursday after the Mets' two games set down in Baltimore. Enjoy the games, and as always, let's go Mets.